Do you invest in ETFs? Whether you're thinking, what in the world is an ETF? Or you're looking for the next opportunity to add to your portfolio. GlobalX has you covered. From big tech to bonds and bars of gold, GlobalX offers a wide range of exchange-traded funds. Go beyond ordinary with GlobalX ETFs. Visit globalxetfs.com.au. That's globalxetfs.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth-creating journey but not sure where to put your hard-earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. Welcome to this episode of the Australian Investors Podcast. As always, joined by Drew Meredith. How you going, mate? Pretty good. Good to be back. Exciting topic for this one. Yes, property investing. If you're new to the Australian Investors Podcast, this is everything you need to know about property investing. We're going to try and do that in 20 minutes. This is not a normal uh, length episode for us. Normally, there's a bit of banter. so <laughs> Straight to the message. We're getting straight into it today. Uh, there will be things that you're probably left uh, scratching your head with. There will be resources. Uh, we've got some great resources to go in the show notes for this episode. And as always, you can write to us by heading to any of the RASC websites, hitting that big thing that says ask a question and selecting the Australian Investors Podcast. We do this every week. So Drew, property investing. A lot of people talk about property v shares, uh, great Australian dream, white picket fences, golden retrievers, actually investing- like in my house. <laughs> <laughs> it actually sounds awfully like mine. <laughs> What's a grudel? A grudel's across pretty yeah. much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, right there. That makes sense, yeah. But everyone dreams of it, right? Like everyone, um, it's a lifestyle asset plus a something exactly. else. I think that's one challenge that people have as well is they tend to combine it into two. Like even when they buy the house, they yeah. see it as an investment at the same time. Whereas, you know, advisors, we try and put things into, into silos and it's either a lifestyle or investment, not mm. both. And uh, we try and do that, but it, it doesn't necessarily work. Mm-hmm. But there's a natural tendency. It's tangible. So people naturally like investing in property. Yeah. Um, and you've had such a tailwind of falling interest rates for 20 or 30 years that it really doesn't matter what you've done. The more you bought, the better you did. Yeah. Until until recently, at least. Until 2022, yeah. Um, so it's tangible. You can touch it. You can feel it. You can also do the, there's those lovely shows on television which promise us like glory if we renovate a kitchen or we do something or other to the house. It's You've done that yourself as well, haven't you? Yeah, I did it myself. It was not glorified <laughs> at all, i tell you what. Um, there's a few cracks if you come around to my place. But um, like people treat- Great pop- for relationships as well. Yeah, it, oh, yeah. It, it hurts. Yeah. So like it does because it takes away from a lot of different things. So um, it, just, it just takes its toll. So I think the thing is uh, property investing, there are a lot of things that go into it and a lot of people- um, forget some of the effort that has to go into those types of um, endeavors. It's like even when you have an investment property, you've got things like uh, rental, yep. you know, costs associated with like maintenance and real estate agents, those types of things. You've got interest. No one tells you about the bad experiences either, like everything. Yeah. 
You're only here the good experiences. I find a lot of the times in property investing, it's the gross returns, like before costs are taken into account that people quote, like bought yeah. it for one price, sold it for another. Yeah. Whereas in investing, if professional investing in the share market, you it's very rare that you would see that. I, I, there's so much regulation around not you know, excluding fees and reporting in the correct way that it's not always an apples to apples comparison. Definitely. So we've got a few different things here, mate. Maybe we can um, talk about them. One of the things which is, we're recording here in Victoria, but this applies around most of the country, maybe with the exception of New South Wales for certain buyers nowadays. But this idea of stamp duty is a massive cost. Massive. And I think it's been a key de- detractor from housing affordability, which maybe I'm getting too political on that. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. So, but yeah. if, you, if you think, if you were, so in, in Victoria, it's about 5.5% for normal stamp duty. Yeah. Uh, I think that's over 500 grand maybe when that if it has over 500 grand. So if you thought about that from a, a stock point of view, mm. if you bought a stock for a dollar, as soon as you own it, it's worth 94 and a half cents. Yeah. That's essentially what you're saying with stamp duty. Yeah. You you that money's gone. Yeah. Yeah, it just wouldn't happen. Yeah. And it, it's just a massive it's why it's uh, I think it's why diversification becomes more important when you're moving towards retirement or passive income. Because it's so lumpy and difficult to go in and out of property, particularly from an investment case. Yeah. So, the frictional costs involved in investing in property are so high. Um, We've done a property investing mini-series with Chris Bates on the show. So, I'll put a link in the notes to that. If you are interested in diving deep, we did about five episodes. And one of the things that I took away from that series with Chris was it's a focus on quality, not quantity. Where you get the what is called the portfolio investor who has 5, 10, 20 properties and- there are declining rates of return. The more you get, the more complexity you get. It's like exponential. And, but banks love that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. But then the problem is like if you think about it from a serviceability point of view, paying off the interest that applies to a loan isn't a problem in a bull market. Like when prices are going, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It does not matter. But when interest rates go up and prices stagnate, it's like a recipe for disaster for the portfolio investor. Exactly. This is negative gearing yeah. 101. Yeah. So when, you, when you're negative gearing, you're betting that the capital gains will offset the losses that you're making on the property because the only way you're negative gear is, is if you're losing money. Yep. That could be cash money or it could be non-cash expenses. Yeah. So it just basically means that um, the interest that you pay on the loan for the property um, yeah, is exceeding. And other outgoings, yeah. Yeah, other outgoings, yeah. But they've clamped down a lot of the negative gearing rules around certain things that can and can't be included. Like they used to be able to travel. Like Tra- you travel you between your, you properties. You can to your house in Port Douglas and <laughs> yeah, yeah. claim expenses for it Yeah, I'm driving from Victoria to Port Douglas <laughs> and- <laughs> Three stops along the way. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Took me a few months. Um, but yeah, I mean, so we've got frictional costs. Um, there's obviously, obviously leverage involved because not many people go out and buy a million dollar property in cash. Yeah. It's probably not the- smartest thing to do anyway it's a pro and a con like the mm. reason property is done so well is because you need you can leverage it five five times or 500 percent. yeah you got 20 percent. you can get four times that from the bank yeah that you can't do that for any other asset class yeah we're not advocating for this in any way but if you did add 500 percent leverage to a share portfolio you'd probably do pretty well as well over the long term over the long term in the short term you just blow yourself up yeah. but um <laughs> over the long term you you might do pretty well because the yeah. stock market has outperformed so um, that's yeah, that's an interesting thing. But all this necessitates a long-term horizon, right? Like you've got to, if you have so much in the way of frictional cost, yeah, and holding cost, you need a long-term horizon. Yeah, and if you think the average return from property might be seven or eight percent over the very long term, it's going to take you at least one and a half, two years, 
honest, if it was a straight line return, just to break even. Yeah. And then you've got, you got exit costs as well, right? You've got like real estate agent and that sort of stuff. Agents costs are like 1.5%, 2%. So you're almost 10% on any transaction. Yeah. Which there's no other asset class where it is that high. Yeah. Um, and I think when you're locking into things like leverage, whether it's in equity markets or in property, at, you, if you need to change your your direction within seven years, then it's not a great strategy. Yeah, there's a risk that you you come out worse off if if you can't stick to it for seven to ten year period. One of the best things I ever got told about property investing is you never buy something unless you intend to hold it for seven years. Yeah, that's just a general rule of thumb. Of course, you know some people go oh when they hear that, but that's just a general rule of thumb. Another thing that I got told very early on was you want to begin saving for a house three years before you buy it. Yeah. Because a lot of people are like, oh, I want to buy a house in the new year, you know, and that's their goal. And you're like, well, it takes a lot to body save a deposit these days. Definitely. So if you're younger or if you're older, you've got to approach it with that long-term mindset. Um, one of the things that we talk about a lot on the show too, Drew, is like leverage the inherent, I guess, magnification that applies. Um, any risks involved in that? I think so. In <laughs> I mean, always, but it's such a the benefit of property from that regard is, and particularly in Australia, you can go into negative equity and you're never going to be forced to sell your house yeah. unless you start defaulting on your mortgage payments. Yeah. So it is secure. If you can keep servicing your loan, then leverage doesn't matter. You don't get margin calls. Yeah. It's it's really as long as you've got enough income to service that loan, which I'm likely. I mean, it's likely to be a challenge. I got my latest email today from the bank. Interest rates up to five point eight percent. Yeah. On my mortgage, and I'm sure I'll take my own advice and try to get a better rate. But, um, <laughs> well, that happened, you know. E- even in 2022, my my mortgage is not massive. Like we don't, do not live in Sydney, fortunately. Um, but my my mortgage was not. I think it was a thousand bucks or nearly a thousand bucks. Significant, yeah. That's a lot of money. And starting to feel it now. You can start to feel it in the in your savings rate or your yeah. Um, it doesn't happen instantly, right? It takes time to trickle down into the economy. Even if you look at um. The household savings rate. We're going to do a separate session on economics, kind of like 101 or economics yeah. 102. But um, if you just look at there's a there's a thing that the ABS publishes, which is the Australian um, household savings rate, and it just shows you like what do people keep basically. Yeah. Uh, and that has like during COVID when interest rates went literally to zero, um, it was it about 14, 20 percent, didn't it? Yeah, it was huge. Yeah. It's a record. And now all of a sudden you get a few like a few percentage higher. I say it's few. It's pretty big. Now it's like straight right down, down back to yeah, and people are starting down. to eat back into their savings now. Yeah, and so that's a that's a big issue for a lot of folks. Obviously, the the what is it Warren Buffett said recently that the interest rates are like gravity to assets. So any yeah. asset or anything that you think is an investment is basically pulled down by interest rates. Always, maybe that's except it. for bonds, which are probably the opposite. Yeah, over time, it's just the cost of capital. So the yeah. the big question and why property is falling at the moment. Not saying it'll fall forever. Is I uh, just met a client. They just put a term deposit in for four point two percent. So yeah. you can buy a risk-free term deposit for four point two percent, but you can probably buy a rental property that you that the gross return before expenses is three or three and a half yeah. in rental income. So zero risk versus a lot of risk. Yeah, why would you do it? And and that's why property prices are slowly adjusting to to reflect that you can get better interest better interest in lower risk investments. I think my old economics teacher would have called that equilibrium. Yep. Yeah, when you reach that point, it takes it's, a bit It's of uncomfortable. Time. Yeah. On the way down, it's yeah, uncomfortable. On the way up, it's fine when it moves away from that. But um, yeah, so let's just recap. So you've got a bit of like, you've got a lot of friction and holding costs. Negative gearing, which is a very popular strategy and very political, uh, necessitates that it's a long-term strategy when you invest in property. 
um, you can use leverage, but just be careful around that. It all comes back to serviceability. Like the banks have buffers that they build in place, but don't rely on them. And definitely don't rely on those borrowing power calculators. That's like going to the barber and asking if you need a haircut. Of course, yeah. they're going to say, well, you can of course, this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can afford it. Take it all. <laughs> um, so, and interest rates, uh, when they turn, they turn quite viciously and are a key determinant of prices. We haven't seen that very often in history. This yeah. is the first time I've seen in my career, I'd probably say. And that's 17 years, I think. Not yeah. 35, like you said. <laughs> <laughs> like I said a few podcasts ago. <laughs> Meanwhile, Drew is 70. <laughs> 40 going on 70. <laughs> But you do have this, and there's a lot of talk about it in Australia and in Canada at the moment, where there were fixed rate mortgages you could get below 2% in the yeah. last two or three years. And a lot of those are mature, are set to roll over back to variable rate. So, like you could, yeah, you'd see an interest rate go from 2 to 5.8 and your repayment, if they're on interest only and now they're going to principal and interest as well, your repayment could be significantly higher, yeah. double, triple in some cases. Which is brutal. Again, because yeah. the portfolio investor is the one who does the interest only typically yep. and loves the kind of like, she'll be right, long-term capital growth play. Um, that doesn't work in this environment. Exactly. And so, the, anything could happen with that. Like, I think a lot of people are hoping that rate hikes have slowed by the time that happens Yeah, and they're starting to peak and there are signs that that is occurring. Yeah. The thing is like, when we talk about like, I think this is, and this is the next thing which we're going to talk about, which is that property is one of those things where there's markets within markets. Like, even if Drew lived right next door to me which we don't but if we if we did our houses yeah. wouldn't be the same no. the valuations would be different everything about it's different it's not like if you own bhp and i own bhp shares they're exactly the same they're yeah. fungible it's not with property so this is where i take a lot of offense to people that get in the media and they make like hysterical assumptions about extrapolation extrapolation like annualize this <laughs> baby um and then like you know household price property prices are falling at an annualized rate of 12 percent if it falls like three percent and a quarter you're like that's not how maths works <laughs> it's so granular like you could go the you know, sea change green green change or tree change are like the perfect example yeah where you can have one suburb True. in the country that's doing incredibly well and the suburb next to it is continues to struggle but it's something about the demographics or something about that particular suburb that's yeah. attracting certain people or even and the then, street exactly and houses <clears throat> are inherently emotional too so if you've got uh, we realized when we sold our house and got uh Furniture, hired furniture to bring in. We actually liked it again. <laughs> and it's amazing the power that, you know, good yeah. interior design can have. And people just get emotionally attached when they see houses, whether it's childhood or something else. Absolutely, they can. And um, this is the thing, like, just in terms of if you are investing, you want to understand the difference between investment grade and non investment grade. Um, investment grade is basically who you're selling to. So if you have a property, for example, that will sell to a family with a higher income in the future. That's probably a good idea of what's kind of getting you on the way to investment grade. But then you want a good street. You don't want to be on a busy road. You want a good bit of land. So the land value should be around about 70% of the value of the entire purchase. Whereas a lot of smaller blocks, um, the value is actually in the house, which is a, a an asset that actually depreciates. So the house yeah. actually falls in value, unless you've got some kind of unique house. Yeah. Most people will forget that. Um, that the house is actually declining in value. It's the land that increases in value over time. Yeah, scarcity. Yeah, and we see that with um, we see that with uh, apartments versus uh, houses. Apartments tend to be slower growing overall. Yeah, because they're just like if you buy one in an apartment tower, another one across the road, um, it's just going to pop up brand new. Then why would you buy the old one? It only takes one apartment within a block to sell at a discount to devalue the whole. 
block as well. Yeah, I remember, a challenge. remember when we were renting an apartment. Uh, we were there for nearly three years, I think. I think in that time, the apartment had fallen like 20%. Yeah. But all the house prices in that suburb had gone up like 20 or 30%. Yeah. It's complete opposite. Um, it's just because more apartment buildings got made. Yeah. That's why uh, everyone says always buy land, even if it's terrace or yeah. villa, unit, anything that has a little bit of land yeah. attached to it on the title. It's just a like a, just a way to underwrite it. But it, the, the ultimate thing is like, even though we talk a little bit about negatively about property and we don't buy into the forecasts of what people put out because every property is different, the reality is like a lot of people get up in hysterics and they throw their arms up in the air. And say that property prices just can't keep going up and property prices this, that, and the other. I was one of them. Yeah, me too. But then I realized that we get, like we're a growing population. Yep. We're landlocked in a lot of our major cities. Like there's coast on one side, you know, and there's rivers on the other a lot of times. So if you want to live in those spots, of course it's going to get more expensive. And there's not much outside of the cities. Uh, yep. And there's not as much development as there needs to be. And, and we're, not, we're not as high density as places like London or Paris are in terms of living. So uh, is still, uh, I think they're predicting an undersupply for at least the next 20, 30 years yeah. from what I've been talking about. Look at, look at even, say, in 2022, which was a hallmark of that year, is um, like building supplies, like how yeah. expensive steel, that's obviously pandemic-induced, but that stuff isn't getting cheaper. Yeah. The, the, the cost of a tradesperson or a piece of like a commodity to put in your house, it's not getting cheaper. And that's the thing which- Replacement like, costs. Replacement yeah. costs are going up. So if replacement costs go up, the cost existing of a new stock. building is going to go up, yeah. which then means your existing home is probably going to go up. Yeah. So and that's the, like it doesn't take a economist to figure that out. Doesn't mean every house goes. That's the exactly. other point before, which is every property property market's different. So yeah. it doesn't mean everything will go up, but good areas with undersupply. Yeah. And you see it in every crisis or every every recession or every period of difficult markets for property. And even then, like, even if it is a quality asset, it can still fall in value. Yeah. Like, it can still fall from one, two, three years to the next. But the difference is over 10 years, the chance of losing money on a very high quality property are pretty slim. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, that's the, what we're talking about. And that's why we say long-term focus. You can lose money basically in any investment. That's why it's investing and not saving. But for the most part, pro- property is a, is a worthwhile vehicle that people should, I think, um, consider. Drew, I don't know if you share that sentiment. I think I, I heard a quote from Paul Clitheroe mm-hmm. once, um, which was, you know, he gets the same question all the time, property or shares, property or shares. And his answer is, doesn't matter, just do it. Yeah. Like literally yeah. they both, they're almost identical returns over a long period of time. You can say whether they were more driven by interest rates or whatever it happens to be. But essentially they're both, as, they're both assets that have the potential to grow. So yeah. get started, pick one, yeah. and, and you can it. always adjust it later on. So that was the... The, yeah, the big lesson there. I love that question, like property or shares. I just think that's a false choice. I just yeah. think both. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just do both. Um, now that's why we talk on the podcast. We have property experts on the show, but we also have a lot of stock market experts on the show. We have bond market experts on the show. We have savings experts. Like yeah. you don't have to do one thing. In fact, you shouldn't. So <laughs> diversify. Um, and I think if you're a younger person, some of the things that you can do with a long-term horizon and earnings capacity are things like you can think about well, what can I do with the primary residence and lines of credit or an investment property with safely adding leverage? Whereas when you get a bit older, you probably want to deleverage your portfolio and then transition it into other assets like superannuation and so on and so forth, yeah. which uh, I know you deal with as a financial planner. You deal with a lot of the, the back end of that. You can't do it all at once. That's the, I mean, the benefit of property is it, it lets you get more bang for your buck initially when you're yeah. younger. 
And that's why everyone initially does it when they're young. They've got a good salary and that's their biggest asset. Yep. Uh, and then you can build around that yeah. as as you save more. Does property, will property double every, is it every 10 years or every, I can't remember. Rule of seven. History has shown, um, I think it was like 8% per annum for the last 10 years for property and the equity market. But interest rates. Yeah. I know there's that you know, <laughs> rare input, but- under supply, they talk, they're talking about in America as well that the, the risk of these massive interest rate hikes is they put an absolute, you know, the property sector is something like 25 or 30% of the economy over there. Is if you push development and construction back so bad because of interest rate hikes and building costs, you're actually making the property market less affordable yeah. for the next 20 or 30 years. That's that's the challenge of what they could do with a recession if, if, yeah. they, if they increase rates too much. Yeah, so now I would say just... The one thing that really gives me the gets grinds my gears is when people say, "Oh, property doubles every seven years, or property doubles every ten years." That's like you could say the same thing about shares, but we don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, so because we know that it's risky, it's the same thing for property. So just be mindful of that. Buy fewer, higher quality properties. Make sure you look at investment grade. We've got a, a bunch of links in the show notes. Pete Wardgen's blog is one of the best in Australia. Um, the Property Investing Miniseries with Chris Bates, and we'll chuck in a link for some data and some resources where you can read some more. But uh, if you are interested in financial planning or you want to try to structure your retirement portfolio in the right way uh, and you want to focus on things like passive income and building a truly balanced portfolio and removing some lumpy assets, whether it's a property or a business, get in touch with Drew at Waddle Partners. That's waddlepartners.com.au slash contact there'll be a link in the show notes true mate this is a quick punchy episode on property investing thanks for joining me Perfect. good to be here for more than a decade i've been hunting for the best investors and their methods strategies and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees and 1000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service. Designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.